1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the draft dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: The trade deadline is right around the corner. Maybe as you're listening to this, the deadline has passed. Probably not, but should the Bengals make a move? Let's get into it.
1: You are locked on Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
2: Ah, up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake go along with your host, James Erpine, coming to you every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team, and we appreciate all the everydayers out there, all of the first listeners who make us their first listen in the morning. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals brought to you by FanDuel, who can make every moment more Right now, new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins at FanDuel.com slash locked on. And James, I know your answer to this question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loft you the softest of softballs right now. Just going to put it on the tee. And if you don't hit it over the wall, I'll be very disappointed in you. Should the Cincinnati Bengals make a trade trade deadline move?
0: And Griffey just hit it way, way, way over the wall. At least five-year-old me would envision himself being Ken Griffey Jr. in his backyard. Of course, hell yes, they should make a move before Tuesday at 4 p.m., Jake. They should uh, derail Halloween plans for Bengals writers everywhere and make me and you and everybody else react to the move that they made where they land... a a piece that fills one of the glaring holes on their roster they showed on sunday that they're one of the most talented teams in the league and there's obvious holes despite them being one of the most talented teams in the league and i think it's pretty rinse repeat as far as those holes we've discussed them a lot but the one major one that i think is on everybody's mind right now is tight end because they overcame the tight end issue on sunday and really not much production out of the tight end room in general throughout the, the first seven weeks of the year or seven games of the year. But Irv Smith Jr.'s fumble. Like, now it's it's not just not getting production. It's negative. And it, it really let the 49ers back into the game. Now the Bengals were able to answer and respond and still win the game. But you need to find something because they aren't getting Hayden Hurst level production or CJ Uzama level production. And it isn't just Irv Smith jr. By the way, I think drew samples, a quality blocker and is going to be on this roster for the foreseeable future. But that man couldn't catch a pass in the flat. Like you you have to catch that. And I, by the way, I like these guys. I like Irv. I talk to him regularly. I like drew talk to him regularly. You, if you're the Bengals, Have nine draft picks in 2024. You're going to get two compensatory selections. That's the projection. The projections are almost always right. I think it's going to happen. Giving up a pick to get a tight end makes a ton of sense. The other two holes are obviously running back, defensive tackle, a 3 tech pass rusher type. Any of the three. Address them if you can. And a lot of people say it's a Mike Brown issue. Duke Tobin calls a lot of the shots here. And I'm not pointing the finger at Duke and being mean here, but I just know he values draft picks. And at the same time, this roster is so dang good, they should really try to do everything they can to make a move and get this roster in a better spot. It's in a good spot. Make it even better before the deadline on Tuesday.
2: Currently, they are projected to get a fifth rounder for Von Bell, a seventh rounder for Samajé Piran. The one thing I will add to this, because a lot of people have talked about Samaj here and a lot of people have talked about Hayden Hurst. I'm going to need to double-check on this, but one reason the Bengals might not trade for either of those guys outside of some other obvious reasons you might have discussed is if they return to the Bengals, that will not be a compensatory free agent lost in the mm-hmm. formula anymore. So that would have a, a double effect. So they would have to trade a pick to get those guys, and then they would lose a cop pick for that guy. And, and then... It's kind of a double whammy, but that aside, there are plenty of directions the Bengals could go that don't involve a guy like Hayden Hurst or Samaje Piran, or maybe some people want Von Bell back, even though I don't know anybody is talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there's plenty of other targets out there that don't necessarily make a lot of money that are in contract years that couldn't cost you know that, that late day three pick. Will the Bengals make a move? I, I remain highly skeptical, and I would yeah. say that's still unlikely. I'll be surprised if we're recording at three o'clock tomorrow because the Bengals made a move. Would I welcome yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, y- you look around the NFL, and I think Joe Goodberry's made this point a few times: the teams that are getting to that Super Bowl, that are winning the Super Bowl, are teams that have made trades in yep. season, and that trend Including- is increasing the last four years.
0: And that's that's why I, I leave the. The window cracked, the door cracked for this possibility to happen. And I know there's going to be a lot of comments saying, "What? you don't know the Bengals. Blah, blah. First off, get out of here. For, yeah, I do. And so does Jake. We talk about him every single day and write about <laughs> Yeah, we do. Of course, we know that it's unlikely. But the Bengals have done a lot of unlikely things in recent years. And 10 years ago, I was saying how, and a lot of people were, it's not just me, how they need to be more active in free agency. And that's where Super Bowl contenders are made. As much as it is drafting and everything else and elite quarterback play, you have to be aggressive in free agency. The Bengals have gotten it right there. And so hopefully, they're at least kicking the tires. And I'll say this right now. I don't want Hayden Hurst back. I will rip them if they trade for Hayden Hurst because it's a bad contract. And it's like a $10 million cap hit next year. And that just does not make any sense. There are I'll other options.
2: It'd be another it, one-year deal for him.
0: And and you, then you you pay... Cap wise, to do that, like it's just brutal. I I would hate it. Um, and, and instead, you could land a Hunter Henry, a Mike Gesicki. You you could go after, uh, AJ um AJ Dylan from. Um, imagine trading for a Dylan, by the way, at the deadline. AJ Dylan from the Packers, Antonio Gibson from the Commanders. Like there are guys on one year deals that aren't Samaj P Ryan or Hayden Hurst, that that makes sense, or in the final year of their contract. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear, one or the other, and so. There are options. Danico Autry is probably the best player out of all of them. If you could somehow get him from Tennessee uh, to to bolster the interior of that defensive front, like give me two of those five guys and this roster is awesome, but that's unrealistic to ask for two. Just get one, get Mike Kosicki, get Joe Burrow another weapon. Joe just showed how great he is on Sunday. Why would you not say, you know what? Hey, Bill Belichick, we've traded before. Here's our sixth round pick. Give us Mike Gesicki, who signed a one year prove it deal and clearly isn't producing for you because your offense stinks and you're the worst team in the AFC.
2: Yeah, I'd say seventh, but either way, you're talking about uh, a late round pick, I think, for Gesicki. But like, (laughs) look at you.
0: You,
2: uh, Yeah, you know, I got a, I got a, I got a wheel and deal here. Uh, But the the other thing. Is like it doesn't even have to be those guys. It could be guys we haven't talked about. Like Jonathan Bullard, I think, is the name that I have mentioned, interior defensive lineman from from uh, playing in Minnesota right now. If they really wanted to shoot for the stars, it'd be Jonathan Allen, but there's like a 0% chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. But I would love it more than most things if they did. But D'Anico Autry for sure, Tyre Tart on the same team. Uh, even Andrew Billings in Chicago, old friend, oh. has been playing pretty well. And I don't think there's links to this team anymore. With Billings, I don't know if there was a year of overlap or not. There might have been one year of overlap. But um, these are guys that don't have to be expensive. Robert Tanyan, tight end for the Bears, can't get on the field. I mean, or or, or as Robert May said on The Athletic, like Logan Thomas, like just somebody who yeah. has done yeah. it for a while, right, and has been a reliable player in the NFL.
0: Just, just something. It, Billings just was on the team. Billings was on the team in, in 2019. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I thought there might have been but, one year. But, but yeah, like that's that's where I'm at too. And I, I think that there are guys available and I know that they value their draft picks. I get it. But man, this team is really darn good. And they just reminded you, know, I would have, I would be saying this, by the way, regardless of, of what happened on Sunday, but they just showed you, they yeah. just showed you how good they are. If you can get some help, and I think they can. I really do. I think they could call Bill Belichick and get one of those two tight ends. If you could do that, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do it? Those guys are better, even than Tanner Hudson. And I think Tanner Hudson will be on the roster sooner rather than later. Regardless, you might as well get a a guy that's proven in the league.
2: One one note just before we get off this, and it's a nice transition back to the game, is Zach Taylor, complimentary of his tight ends. Of course he would be, but – complimentary of his tight ends after the game on Monday in his press conference. So there is that they do have an open spot on the roster right now. That might be Charlie Jones. We'll see Zach says sooner than later there, but we'll transition to some other thoughts there What Zach Taylor had to say Monday might creep into this a little bit as well. And, and some guys we didn't talk about some things I noticed. We noticed on rewatch going back to Sunday a little bit. We don't have tape yet. So that'll be coming hopefully tomorrow, uh, but we should go back to the game a little bit here as well. We'll do that. Coming up next, this episode of Locked On Bengals, however, is brought to you by DoorDash. And James, you traveled all the way back from San Francisco as we record this episode. I haven't had time to do anything since I started working today, essentially on football-related stuff. And I'm hungry. I'm ready to get some food in me. DoorDash mm-hmm. is there for me to to get me that food without me having to go way out of my way to do it. And if you're just trying to watch the Bengals on Sunday, why root for your team on an empty stomach when you could order on DoorDash and save on football watch party favorites? And and maybe it's your dinner tonight, James. City Bird?
0: Yep. You Cincinnati I'm getting,
2: locals no using City DoorDash
0: Bird? Tonight, maybe using DoorDash tonight, no doubt. Getting
2: that spicy chicken sandwich with that city slaw. That's three racha mayo. They have the local favorites in addition to anything else you might be looking for. Right now, you can save 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order with DoorDash using promo code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. Don't forget, that's promo code LOCK23 for 50% off up to $10 on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more, subject to change, terms apply.
0: Today's show is also brought to you by Streetside Brewery. Streetside is the place you have to go if you're coming into town for Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills. And maybe you're going to the game. Well, they have a tailgate before every home game, drink and food specials, games, prizes. So coming on Sunday afternoon before you make your way downtown, they're located at 4003 Eastern Avenue in Columbia, Tusculum, near Lunkin Airport. They have 24 taps. I love Street Side's variety. They're going to have beers that you look at and you're like, oh my goodness, I've never heard of a flavor like that. I have to try it. It's the perfect place to go. Happy Hour Monday through Friday, 4 to 6. You can get it in your favorite bars, restaurants, and bottle shops in the Tri-State area as well. So check them out, Street Side. And I always say, by the way, check them out for the pregame tailgate party. I'm telling you thank me later. You see us on YouTube. Jake's rocking the hat. I'm rocking the t-shirt. It's not the West side or the East side. The best side is street side.
2: So Zach Taylor's talking up his tight ends on Monday in the press conference doing the coaching thing. That's not where we're going to focus our attention here, but there are some things that I noticed on rewatch that we forgot to talk about yesterday. And, and I want to start with Mike Hilton, James following we're starting with the short kings today as we read yeah, this sunday because mike hilton has has shown the last couple weeks and especially against the san francisco 49ers a a return to form in a big way i know he had an interception erased by a i, I called it a questionable penalty 49ers fans and film guys on twitter said you just can't go that low referring to dj Reader's hip. to me it started you know waist high thigh he slid down a little bit whatever we're not going to litigate that call but Mike Hilton even outside of that play showed off his his instincts the tackling was great and, and that's the kind of play you're looking for for Mike Hilton especially when the Bengals are matching two running backs from San Francisco with nickel personnel and they're saying Mike Hilton you're going to go be a linebacker and as Mike at Bengals underscore Sands has said on this show in the past James linebacker in a corner's body and, and he showed up and and made some great plays in that context including a that great tackle for loss to help the Bengals get off the field, I believe, early in the game at some point. But great to see Mike Hilton bounce back, and just wanted to start there because I realized we we did not give him his flowers yesterday when going through some of the standouts on defense, and he deserves them.
0: Yeah, he does, no doubt. And I, I talked to Mike after the game, and he was fired up for sure, and he should be. Uh, this defense, they're ramping up and, and getting into form, and and I think. Mike, over the past month or so, has started to string some games together and moments together, and I know he wanted that pick. He, he certainly yeah. wanted that, um, but yeah, I, I think he's he's one of those guys and, and that that's going to be a factor, a big factor, over the next 10 weeks for this team, and, and if the Bengals are going to get where they want to go, we're going to be talking about Mike Hilton blitzing. Making big tackles, making big plays on the ball, whether it's interceptions, fumble recoveries, all of those things, because he's just—he's a playmaker, and uh, I love that you called him a short king because we're—we're we're about the same height, and and I rock with Mike because he hits like a freaking freight train when needed to. So he's—he's he's been playing very well. I expect it expect it to continue moving forward too.
2: That was that was both for you and because I'm trying to keep up with them kids. Say, I think that's the thing they say. Um, so, so, some other things that, that are noteworthy, just just uh, coming away from the game. Um, saw a little bit more of a defensive line rotation in this game, I think, yeah. than, than we've seen for quite a while. Sam Hubbard and B.J. Hill both played a ton, but D, uh, D.J. Reader only played 32 snaps. Love seeing that they were able to get D.J. off the field a little bit. Trey Hendrickson, I think more due to his injury than anything, but he also was down to 39 snaps out of a total of 59 on the defensive side of the ball this week. So for both of those guys, getting the snap counts down a little bit, saw a lot more Zach Carter this week. They had extra defensive tackles up, so a lot more Josh Chupo this week. Um, A little bit curious about what's going on with Joseph Osai. Still just nine snaps for Osai, nine snaps for Miles Murphy, a little bit of of a step up for Murphy and his involvement. And I I believe he had a really nice play uh, in the flat if I'm remembering correctly, to, to make a tackle when he dropped into coverage in the open field, when he dropped out on his side in a five defensive line look. Um, and it was a play-action play, so I like that for Miles Murphy. That showed some some development, I think, just a little bit of a flash there. But love seeing that defensive line rotation stepping up a little bit. And DJ Reader, we, we talked about their need for interior pass rush, and I still think this exists, but DJ Reader the last couple of weeks has really been pushing that pocket and making things uncomfortable in the middle and so he he always outstanding in the run game by himself stuffed essentially the the 49ers fullback dive on their first drive of the game and had a number of plays early in the game that really popped to me in run defense so um always like to see what he does on the field but nice to see them stepping up that rotation a little bit because they are going to need him in the long run
0: they are and in the I, I think that's one of the interesting parts about this defense moving forward is is how they shuffle through these guys. Is it going to be Osai? Could Murphy be the the guy a bit more? I, I do wonder. I wonder how it's going yeah. to play out. I, I still can't that, sample
2: for the most part.
0: No doubt. But it is – and I just mean rotation in general, not even mm-hmm. necessarily on the interior. It, is Osai going to be the guy? Because everyone felt like he was going to be, I think. And, well, we're, we're eight weeks in now. And at some point, uh, you would expect him. It's, it's not like it's a, a playing time thing from a, an experience standpoint. He's experienced now. And, and we expected him to take the next step. And for some reason, he's not getting a ton of reps. So we'll see. Maybe he has two sacks against the Bills on Sunday and, and plays 40 snaps and, or 35 snaps and is really effective. Who knows? But uh, I do think that that is a question mark moving forward but uh overall this defensive front is uh is ramping up into form and heck trey hendrickson shout out to him mm-hmm. because he he was dealing with that ankle comes back and, and he makes the 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 play that that ended the game it, it didn't seal it the game was already over but he certainly ended it and uh it does sound like he avoided anything serious so that's good to hear
2: yeah, Zach Taylor, just on the note with injuries, Cam Taylor-Britt also got banged up in his presser on Monday. So they're just going to manage some guys this week. It didn't sound like there's anything crazy. It sounds like they're just going to maybe have to manage some guys in practice. We might see some limited. We might see some rest for Trey Hendrickson, for, for Cam Taylor-Britt potentially this week. Um, and, and the clock might start on Charlie Jones as well. We'll see. He, he didn't want to commit to that, but said sooner rather than later. But for Trey Hendrickson, even with that ankle injury, PFF had him with his second highest amount of pressures this season with eight Total pressures on the game obviously had the the fantastic strip sack to really, you know, drive in those nails that were already pretty, pretty well sealed on the coffin. The last thing for me on the defensive side of the ball, James, something I was surprised about with the Bengals approach to covering George Kittle in this game was that we did not see the Dax Hill George Kittle matchup very much. If at all. I'm not sure we saw it at all in terms of like man coverage, Dax go man off George Kittle. We saw a lot of bracketing. Uh, and that often featured uh, Nick Scott and Jermaine Pratt and and led to some big plays, unfortunately. And and that wasn't all on those guys. Some of that is just they got got a couple of times. And sometimes George Kittle's also just going to dunk on you because he's really yep. good. Um, yep. But that was a curiosity to me that they that we didn't see Dax more in that role. I also want to talk about the offensive line, James. I I tweeted a couple things about Cordell Volson. Some people got upset. I think he actually had a pretty good game. And I think the offensive line in general on rewatch was pretty dang good, too. So we'll talk about the offensive line to finish up the show and some other notes on offense here coming up next. This episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is sponsored by FanDuel, where you can score early this season. Or in the middle of the season with America's number one sports book right now, new customers will get a one hundred and fifty dollar credit in bonus bets with any five dollar money line bet. That's one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets if your team wins. Just bet on the Bengals to cover. If they win, if you had done this last week, one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets. Maybe you like some other sorts of betting. You're not new to FanDuel right now. I look today. The Cincinnati Bengals regular season win total for 2023 is now set at nine and a half. Want to tell me the Cincinnati Bengals can't go at least six and four the rest of the way? Joe Burrow feeling good, team reasonably healthy, finding their footing on the West Coast against the San Francisco 49ers. Well, if you do, that's a line you can take advantage of at FanDuel, and there's no better time to get in on the action with that $150 bonus bets Available to you. The app is super easy to use for spreads, players, profs, over-unders, and more. So visit visit fanDuel.com/slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL.
0: Today's show is also brought to you by Pierce Dental. Pierce Dental Group has two locations: one in downtown Cincinnati, one in northern Kentucky. They are the premier dental group in the area. They provide world-class experience and create confident smiles. You want to be confident, you want to smile at the next office party and be confident in that smile, but you got to get to Pierce Dental Group. Their downtown location, by the way, is inching closer to 100 years, less than two decades away from 100 years. They were established in 1942, the highest rated dentist in the area with over 1,300 five-star reviews. And yes, of course, they do cosmetics, dental implants, Invisalign. They also do routine care and pierce dental group offers flexible payment options and pride themselves on maximizing your dental insurance so get to the local place that is going to treat you best and find the right path for you to create a confident smile visit them online at piercedentalgroup.com p-e-a-r-c-e dentalgroup.com or visit pierce dental group on instagram or facebook
2: lot to talk about on this offense james I want to give you a second here to start this segment before I get too far into some of this trench stuff. Cause I know you love your skill guys and for the wide receivers and, and for Joe Mixon and wide receivers, including Trenton Irwin and Andre Yosevash. It was a very productive day for that group with Joe Burrow back in form. And I feel like we gave them love yesterday, but just, want to reiterate that point and and give you an opportunity to talk about your favorite position group.
0: Well, there were so many big plays in, in in key moments The the T Mm -hmm. Higgins play following the Jermaine Pratt interception, it at least flipped the field. Right. And, and it gave the Bengals a shot. I thought they were going to go down and score. Um, Obviously they didn't, but still it's uh, it was good to see these guys get involved. Andre Yosevash off script for a second straight week. Burrow trusting him, Burrow finding Irwin over the middle for uh, an explosive play. There are clearly guys Burrow trusts, and you know he completed seven passes or seven uh, passes to seven different receivers, and Yosavash is one of them. Who knows? Maybe Charlie Jones will get in the mix if he comes back as well. But I I think they do have a bunch of different guys. To, to throw at opponents that, that can make a player or two here and there. And Yosef Vash is quickly becoming one of those guys. So they deserve a ton of credit. Joe Mixon deserves credit as well. I thought he was running hard, but this is a good transition because the trenches, the men in the trenches, you're right. They deserve a ton of credit because those Joe Mixon holes were wide open. There were plenty of times he was running and you could have fit a Mack truck in between the, the, the guard and center when when Mixon was running through. I mean that the 20-yard run that set up the first touchdown. He's cooking and and he gets tripped up inside the 5 on the the one run where I thought he was going to score um and and obviously had the nice cut at the end to, to score the touchdown. So Joe's running hard. The offensive line, it was their best run blocking game of the season for my money, uh, no doubt. And uh, I know Frank Pollack, no one was happier than him because he went to the place he played four for for multiple years and in one there so is that is a heck of a job and i think this offensive line is coming along and uh uh, like i said we've been higher on last episode we've been higher on them i think at least i have i've been higher on them than some and we saw why on sunday and i think with burrow playing the way he is now and in healthy this offensive line is going to continue to tick up and and become more and more of a a strength not a weakness
2: Trying to find the last time the Bengals won in San Francisco. wasn't actually all that long ago. 2015, they won 24 to 14 in San Fran.
0: That was AJ McCarron. His Bengals led, uh, won in San Fran. So, but but from what I
2: can see, before that, the last time was 1974. So, um, anyway. Not not relevant to the offensive line conversation. The offensive line, you're right, was great, especially early. The number of perfectly blocked run plays early in this game and the game plan that we saw in the running game this week was very impressive to me. The, the Bengals know, and you can see this on a play I tweeted. I mislabeled it crunch. It's not crunch. It's just like a, a wind back kind of play. It's a variant of zone, I believe. Um, Joe Mixon takes it down. I think this is the one you're talking about where he gets down to the three. And, and Orlando yep. Brown and, and Ted Karras get out to the second level. Everybody else kind of seals off the backside. You got Jamar Chase going in ghost motion behind the running play. And you can see the entire second level go with Jamar Chase, just in case they're going to pitch it back to Jamar Chase and give him a lead toss play. And that gets the entire second level to move over a little bit. And, and then on in the first level, you have Nick Bosa flying up the field. You got, you got the interior defensive line for San Francisco trying to penetrate, trying to fly up the field. And you get good seal-off down block kind of stuff from, from the backside of the offensive line from Cordell Volson had a great block there. Kappa, Jonah Williams both had really good blocks on the play. And then you get second-level blocking. You get Ted Harris out on the second level on Fred Warner. You get Orlando Brown out at the second level. And nobody touches Joe Mixon for like 10 yards at least. It's a thing of beauty. And and then it's a safety. And as Fred Warner, they combine to bring him down around the three. Um, But that was not isolated. There are a number of plays where it's perfectly blocked and Mixon has a a chasm to run through and and isn't contacted until the third level a few times. And this is, 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 is not just Mixon running either. You also have Joe Burrow adding in the running game. You have both Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon adding 20 plus yard runs, the explosion yep. aspect here. I think every single receiver that touched the ball, Jamar had a 20 yard catch. T had a 30 plus yard catch. I'm pretty sure uh, everyone, but Andre Boyd had 22. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, but Andre Trent Irwin's was 24, 25 or something like that. Everybody, but Andre who caught the touchdown pass was over 20 yards. So a lot more explosive plays, a lot more chunk plays for this team in this game. Some of that, the run blocking that I just talked about. And then on top of that, I thought that they acquitted themselves extremely well as, as pass blocking as a unit. Early in the game, in fact, I think the first two plays of the game, Cordell Volson starts the game with, a, with stoning Javon Hargrave. Next play, they run a little TE stunt with Bosa and Hargrave, and and, Kappa, or, and uh, Volson and, and Orlando Brown handed off perfectly. And I think this is a play actually – no, this isn't the next play. This is a third down where Joe Burrow ends up scrambling like crazy on that yeah. third down to find T. Higgins. There's a tight, There's a tackle and stunt. At the beginning of that, this picked up perfectly. And, and that's just like a really impressive level up against two really good players for that left side. You look at PFF grades, they're going to tell you Orlando Brown has a 40-pass blocking grade. I don't buy it. I think Orlando Brown did a great job of surviving – against Mm -hmm. nick bosa and i think that's really what you would expect there were some pressures i thought they were manageable pressures and some of this also looked a lot better because joe burrow remember last year when every week i was saying man joe burrow was playing on time today yeah he was playing on time in this game like 95 percent of the time you go look at his pff grade under pressure in this game and i don't know what they're counting as pressures as i just discussed but 10 of 10 on 16 pressures for 136 yards, a touchdown, a 96 total grade under pressure, which sure. is wild. So not only the offensive line playing well, but I think Burrow also in tandem, in sync with that offensive line, getting rid of the ball on time.
0: That's that's the part of this where it was just so tough at times to judge the line. Now, mm-hmm. they needed to be better at run blocking. They were on Sunday and responded. Like I said, I I can't overstate this. San Francisco fans were very, very angry with the defensive line going into Sunday. I know. I spent Thursday on in the Bay, listened to to some of the local radio, did a couple guest hits, and there was pressure on those guys. Excuse me. There was pressure on those guys. Bengals offensive line came to play and brought it to a group that was coming in probably desperate with a chip on their shoulder. So, heck of an effort. They deserve praise. I can't wait to... uh, Hear what Sans has to say when we do our film review, unless the Bengals make a trade tomorrow uh, or, or between now and then. But uh, the film review will be fun discussing this, this offensive line, no doubt.
2: Yeah. And talking about game plan too, the under center stuff, really fun to watch that early in the game, really effective wrinkles for them. I thought it was a really well planned game in on both sides of the ball. Really? I thought, I thought both Lou and, and Brian and Zach had a really good plan for this game. And uh, I think, Joe Burrow gave Jamar Chase credit for coming over to the sideline and talking about that fake screen touchdown that that Jamar caught, talked about how they were defending some of that stuff in the game. So even Jamar is is down there. And and I think Joe's talked about this in the past. Joe Burrow's Mm -hmm. talked about the contributions from the receivers in the past are are down there making schematic adjustments that the coaches are listening to and then implementing, and then you're scoring touchdowns off it. So nice to see that this week, but got to keep it going, as Joe Burrow said. Can enjoy this win for sure. Massive win. But let's let's see them keep it going. Got got a couple more tough games coming up. Would love to see this trend continue. We'll continue to talk about it this week. Hopefully, get some film review. Then we switch our attention to primetime football against the Buffalo Bills. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast, day, and have a good
1: one.